Welcome to Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and science. You name it. If it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is Letter for the King Nerd Out. I am your host, Austin. And with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda Lorian. Hey. And the wild yet elusive Jekka. I'm back. Folks, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you listening and uh, coming in week in, week out to, to nerd out with us. You know, we're going to be talking all sorts of fun stuff. Obviously, we're talking... Uh, Letter for the King, but you know, we're also going to talk. Uh, DC is dropping their plans for a Supergirl movie. A ton of huge Mandalorian season two casting rumors have been leaked. We, we will be giving a spoiler, spoiler warning for sure when that hits up. And, and, and the US and their allies are making plans to mine the moon for resources and more. Yeah, that's right. It's crazy. We're talking all sorts of cool stuff. So, so make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button. We would love to nerd out with you each week. And if you've already hit subscribe, uh, well, plus 10 Nerd XPTO. We love you guys. And for everyone else, as soon as you hit that subscribe button, you too can start earning Nerd XP. Uh, but in the meantime, Jekka, what's nerdy with you? What have you been up to? So I once again have reclaimed the Switch that my sister and I share. <laughs> and, and, and you're playing Zelda? I am playing Zelda Breath of the Wild, uh, and so as a little recap, um, every Zelda game, you have the main goal to save the princess, destroy the evil Ganon. Um, in Breath of the Wild, though, to kind of, before you face Ganon, it is, like, one of the missions is to reclaim these divine beasts, which are these, like, <laughs> machines, and the, there's the elephant, camel. Oh, excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> COVID. Um, anyways. Um, so there's an water, elephant, water there's a camel. The Sorry, what was that? Water went down the wrong pipe. Not not COVID. <laughs> He's got the COVID. <laughs> not COVID. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so, so there's um there's an elephant, a lizard, a bird, and a camel, and I freed the elephant yesterday. Nice. So I did it, and I did it the first time through too. I didn't die or anything. I was able to do it in one go. So. So that's what's nerdy with me is I finally can play nice. Breath of the Wild again, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, so with you and your sister uh, alternating weeks on who owns the Wii, or I'm sorry, the the Switch, uh, when do you think you'll when do you think you'll actually beat it? I'm just curious, like Probably, in a month. And like, all honesty, I'm like, my personal goal is to at least make sure I beat it before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we'll be getting plenty of updates, yeah. it sounds like. Exactly, uh, yeah. That's fun. Well, I've got something nerdy I want to share. So uh, ever since my kids, Amanda and I, have watched uh, the last four episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars, which, uh, by the way, if you have not listened to our last podcast episode, you need to go back and listen to that. We had so much fun nerding out over the awesomeness that George Lucas, Dave Filoni, and everybody on the Clone Wars team uh, crafted in that final arc of uh, season uh, seven. Phenomenal. Anyways, ever since we watched that, 
Uh, my kids have been just asking relentlessly, <laughs> and I really mean relentlessly. Dad, can we watch Revenge of the Sith? Dad, can we watch Revenge of the Sith? Dad, can we watch Revenge of the Sith? And normally, you know what? What nerdy father would say no to their kids wanting to watch Star Wars? But it, you know, it just it just wasn't a a good time. They're always wanting to watch it like really, at yeah, at really late. Like, Dad, we don't need to go to bed. Let's watch Star Wars. We're like, well, yeah, you know, mom, mom, mom will beat me if I let you stay up. Pretty much. Anyway, so Found. so so my my kids have finally. Uh, got to see Revenge of the Sith again. They've seen it before. Don't worry, folks. I am a good nerdy father. But anyways, but but I did something different this time. Uh, you know, I went back to the old, the old original uh, Clone Wars cartoons that were uh, 2D animated. Uh, these came back out like uh, in 2003, 2004 time frame, if I remember correctly. But anyways, I had the kids watch the Battle for Coruscant, which. Is which is the opening scroll to Revenge of the Sith. So I had him watch the battle for Coruscant. And then when that finished, I jumped forward to this last story arc in the Clone Wars, the last four episodes I was talking about, to the scene in which Ahsoka and Anakin get interrupted by Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Obi-Wan's saying, hey, we got to get back to Coruscant. You know, uh, it's under attack. And, and the council has sent Shock T to protect the Chancellor, which the kids just saw in the battle for Coruscant. Uh, and then after they saw that scene, I went straight into Revenge of the Sith and had them watch that. And, and my daughter was all freaking out at how like interconnected this story was with everything. And she could she could follow it. And it was just blowing her uh, nine-year-old mind of, of the Star Wars awesomeness. <laughs> nice. So, oh, yeah. So, anyways, that is what's nerdy with me. But uh, I think it's time to talk some nerd news. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. Ooh. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well... We've been talking weeks and weeks of COVID-19 decimating the Hollywood studio movie theater business. Uh, but I have some good news for Woo! once. Uh, because uh, the film and TV production uh, on, in, in New Zealand has restarted post-COVID-19. Yes. And in addition uh, to that, uh, AMC movie theaters might be uh, sticking around after all. Uh, thanks to Amazon. So, hmm. so according to a report from Deadline, uh, New Zealand health and safety production protocols have been endorsed by the national government, meaning movie and TV production can restart in the country finally. So this guideline paves the way for James Cameron's Avatar sequels and the upcoming Lord of the Rings series that's coming to Amazon Prime. They're back up and running. They are shooting again. So so Cameron and Avatar uh, producer John Landau, I have no idea if, if they say that. No. Anyways, no, no, no relations to Calrissian. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, he said, John said that they're already in the midst of shooting pieces for the sequel when the pandemic shut things down. So they at least had a little time to take uh, home to their offices in, in California to work on what they had been uh, working on already, post-production-wise. But the, the film's Twitter page 
posted an insight into the film's behind-the-scenes work recently so fans could see what what they are looking to get back to. Uh, And the Avatar films have a release date of December 17, 2021. That's a year and a half away, folks. Uh, Avatar 3 in December 2023. Avatar 4, December 2025. Avatar 5 in December 2027. Anyways... The we'll film. see if the second one makes it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm really unsure yeah. about the second one. Yeah, I am too, to be honest. But but check this out. The film has a com- all these films have a combined budget of one billion dollars. So so they're willing to put down a chunk of change. Just like Amazon with their Lord of the Rings sequel, which uh, was at the end of shooting the first two episodes. When production shut down in mid-March, uh, and then they went into an early hiatus, which had been originally planned for when the f- two episodes had wrapped. But uh, no statement has been made yet as to when they'll be back to resume the remaining episodes uh, or the approved second season. That's already been announced, but but with the restrictions lifted in New Zealand, it's just a matter of time. Uh, but but that's not all the news coming from uh, Amazon's film and TV production efforts since uh, they're making the Lord of the Rings TV series. Uh, you know, we've been talking about the damage of COVID-19 and uh, what it's done to Hollywood and movie theater owners for a while. And despite AMC theaters desperate fight to save their company from folding, uh, their their efforts just haven't taken the turn upward that they need but have instead taken an unexpected turn. Uh, AMC movie theaters may be purchased by Amazon. Amazon Amazon.com may own AMC movie theaters. So so rumors of the possible acquisition by Amazon started swirling on Monday, May 11th. Uh, In response, the company's Falling stocks suddenly surged upward, and but but neither company has commented on the possible acquisition. And some believe Amazon may have inquired, but already had their interests in buying Wayne. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? There's a lot. So in okay. That. Well, first off, I always thought that Google would become our overlords, but it looks like Amazon will be our overlords. I know I, I, it's kind of weird because I'm like, oh, it's Amazon and Disney, and I'm like, I thought, Go- yeah, my, me too. I thought Google would be in there as well, but so far Google's just <laughs> kind of like wrecking along, happy to be a search engine and own YouTube, you know. Well, yeah. I remember like there was a point. I think it was at that um, Apple had considered buying Disney at one point. Yeah, there's rumors of that. Oh yeah, <clears throat> and I can just imagine like these these tech these tech giants are basically buying up. Everything and they're becoming the they're becoming the massive uh, conglomerates that uh, sci-fi movies of the eighties warned us against when the uh, <laughs> exactly when the uh, <laughs> yeah when the, when when the when the corporate greed turns into uh, World War Three or something like that. Well, as soon as Amazon has the delivery drones, we'll know Skynet <laughs> has happened. Oh man. Oh, definitely. And can uh, you just say how weird it is to see like all these dates for the Avatar movies, like 2023, oh, yeah. 2025, 2027. I'm like, no, that's so far in the future. And then I'm like, wait, it's 2020. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. Oh, this is weird. Okay, what's weird about those dates, and the reason why you're like, those are so far in the future, is because those are literally the names of movies. Yeah. 
2023. Uh, 2025. Yeah. Oh, God. 2021. 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those are the names of movies. That's why it's weird. <laughs> oh, that is weird. The uh, hooray that they're starting up filming again. Oh, oh yeah. At least got a comment on that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we haven't heard any good news about that stuff. And... Uh, and and I, I'm happy to hear things are moving along, especially with the uh, the Lord of the Rings uh, TV series. You know, we're we're pretty big fans of that. So, and- if they were to do this appropriately and make sure that they're having good social distance between the actors and everybody, um, are all the characters going to be wearing masks? <laughs> right. No, no, they'll, they they'll be uh, blue masks, so that way they can be CGI'd out later. Everybody's mouth will have like this weird like CGI animated look to it. And they'll everybody's- have the little dots on their lips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be funny. But, but anyways, yeah, real interesting news. Amazon owning a movie theater company, uh, AMC. What do, you, what do you think of that? Amazon studios like would they change the name would the a and amc be amazon movie classic instead <laughs> no amazon movie cinemas and oh. yeah they would just keep the title and just rebrand what it stands for oh yeah. my word amazon movie was C- it cinemas. cinemas and amazon movie oh, that's, cinema that's kind of redundant or it yeah, was a mega cinema okay now it's amazon movie corporation there you go. That would probably yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it doesn't need to be fancy on the other end. It just needs to be Amazon. Amazon Mango Cinemas, Amazon Monkey yeah. Cinemas, like <laughs> or they could just have the the AM be capitalized well, in Amazon. So the 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 two the two big movie theaters uh theater companies out here in uh, Denver, Colorado area is is AMC and Regal. And then uh, back in Des Moines, Iowa, where, where I'm originally from, all my family's at, AMC's the big one out there now after they bought uh, Carmike Cinemas. What's, what's the big movie theater company out there in uh, Utah? In Utah, uh, there's two. There's Cinemark and Larry H. Miller Megaplex. Oh, really? uh, Larry oh. H. Miller is, uh, he used to like, I don't know if he was like, this is how much I am not a sports person. I just know he had to do with the Utah Jazz. I don't remember oh, if he was okay. the coach or the manager or what, but he like <laughs> he used to do something with the Utah Jazz, and then he has like his own like car sales thing going on, and now Your he has sports um, knowledge is showing. Yeah, yeah. So and then he has, uh, and then he's got these Megaplex movie theaters that are IMAX theaters too. So, uh, so what Austin's so yeah. also missing though is Denver's having kind of a switch up in major theaters because we have a lot of well, theaters coming in with like the dining in theaters. We do have a lot. Oh yeah. Cause we've got movie tavern. We've got Cinnabar. I think one of them was, was bought out by AMC. Uh, though. Al- Alamo draft house is coming in. Yeah. But, but AMC theaters and Regal are still the two biggest. They They've are, got the most theaters, more, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's but really funny. Sorry, I'll just say this one thing. It's really funny because, like, when I go to the like Walmart or Smith's grocery stores here in Utah, there'll be gift cards for AMC theaters, and I'm like, we don't have those here. <laughs> oh, like, I guess really? I could send it to like my friends out in the beyond Utah <laughs> where they do have them, but we, we don't have them those here. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, hey, any anytime you feel like you you want to buy one of those, you can send it our way. So. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll gladly take those off your hands if you get them. <laughs> oh, great. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's move on uh, because uh, DC has dropped their Supergirl film plans and is instead moving forward with another Man of Steel sequel after Justice League was released and bombed. Uh, Warner Brothers kind of shifted gears in how they wanted to move forward with their DC comic movies. Uh, you know, they were originally planning on a Man of Steel sequel, but they dropped that in favor of a Supergirl movie. And uh, Oren Azeel, did I say that name right, Amanda? I have uh, no idea. I, I can't pronounce that one. Hell, hey, it's not just me. That's a first. That's a for anyways, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I can't pronounce names. Don't 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 even like bother, you know. Uziel. Try to yeah. Well, I would say like Oren Uziel. Okay, Oren. Anyways, Oren was hired to write the Supergirl script. Uh he previously worked on films such as Mortal Kombat, 22 Jump Street, The Cloverfield Paradox, and the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Uh well, according to a new report from Heroic Hollywood, the executives at Warner Brothers and DC have changed their minds. The studio has reportedly put the development of the Supergirl film on hold, and they are now jumping back to focus on Superman. The report indicates that it doesn't make sense to follow up Superman's appearance in Justice League with a Supergirl movie. Uh, There's no word on if Henry Cavill will be back to reprise his role, but if they are planning to continue the story of Superman after the events of Justice League with a Man of Steel sequel, I mean, it would have to be Cavill. But uh, Cavill has previously said he's open to returning to the role. We just don't really know what the studio is thinking at this point. Cavill talked about where he'd like to see uh, a Man of Steel sequel go uh, previously, saying, quote, uh, where we left off with Man of Steel in particular was the guy who had found his place or was trying to find his place, but had sort of found it by the end. That had committed something which he would consider a most horrific sin by killing the last member of his species. That is a place where I would like to travel from with the character, him exploring the positivity of who he is, not necessarily the the chocolate box version, but the, the leaning into that, the character who becomes an icon of hope and enjoying that experience rather than necessarily being made uncomfortable by it. So one of the things that as you're talking about how they're switching to the man of steel, I've always thought that Superman was overpowered, didn't have enough flaws. And the more I've delved into understanding about Superman, the more I've realized that he's got more depth to that but depth to what I've always perceived, but that his standing for hope is what we should aspire to be. And it's all about inspiration. Yeah. And and that's something I've liked. But one of the things as you were talking about this, it made made me think of our current predicament Mm -hmm. of dealing with COVID-19 and what could Superman do in a situation where he's fighting against like a viral (laughs) epidemic. And it just made me think of sure. What Superman I don't do. know. If, I don't know if that's the plot that they're going to go. Oh, with. Oh no, it's but... totally not. But it <laughs> it made me think. Sure. And I I thought that that would be a very interesting take on what the character could do to help. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, uh, 
but yeah. no, no, no Supergirl movie. Uh, I, in, in my opinion, I think, I mean, I'm all for having a Supergirl uh, movie. I mean, the TV series is awesome. I don't know if there, there, there probably wouldn't be a crossover. I'm assuming maybe, I don't know. The, the, the Flashpoint TV series did cross over the TV DC universe and the movie universe. But, but um, I think, uh, I think a, a Superman film needs to get, uh, I, I could see it getting DC comics back on track with their movies. Like they've been doing good with the Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam, which uh, I think in about a, a month or so, we're actually going to do a rewind on Shazam. Uh, a podcast episode, but um, I don't know. I like Superman. Um, I think Man of Steel showed a lot of promise. I think, I think the the Batman vs Superman and Justice League films kind of went a little too crazy, too fast. Um, See, and, and like among those ones, like I actually enjoyed Justice League because I felt like it was a. I mean, it still had a bit too much going on, but it still it wasn't as crazy as like. Batman, Superman, and Man of Steel. Like, I felt like it at least had some streamline going on. So, so I, I don't actually really like Justice League. I'm just, I'm kind of with Amanda. Like, if you're going to do another Superman movie, like, there there are so many out there. You know, we it, it's one of those things I'm just like, it'd be nice to explore what they said there is, like, he has to deal with the fact that, like, he just killed another member of his race, you know, and now he is he is officially, like, the last one, you know, as far as he knows until Supergirl comes along, you know? But yeah, so I'm like, if, if you're going to exp- do another Man of Steel movie, like, you know, really explore that aspect of it. So I'm just going to point out that Austin was saying that Man of Steel didn't seem to mesh well with... Um, Batman vs. Superman Batman Justice versus League. Batman Justice League. Yeah. And I'm going to disagree with him because I absolutely detested the feel of no. Man of Steel. And I have my reasons. Right. I have my you reasons. Get it out and then I'm going to rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and my problem had to do with the musical setting where it felt off. Things that the way that they designed it was to be edgy and it, it made the movie lose its emotional heart that it could have had for me. Because the music was just, it was not placed correctly. And to me, that leads to non-surprising how much I didn't like Batman vs. Superman. And I didn't like Justice League. Because it just, it all had the same feel to it. Look, I, I enjoyed Man of Steel. Um, out, of, out of all the early DC uh, movies of the modern era, I guess you would say. Um, I still watch Man of Steel from time to time, but I don't really have a hankering to ever go back and watch Batman vs Superman or or even the Justice League. I've seen Batman vs Superman more than I've seen Justice League. Um, but I mean, think about this for a second, Amanda. I mean, Man of Steel two could really add those elements that you want of the hope and 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 all that stuff, and. And you could go back and look at the first Man of Steel movie as a great introduction that shows us the character flaws and the issues that he has to overcome and shows that character progression into the sequel. Okay, so I'm going to be completely raw and honest with people here. I am an ugly, ugly movie crier. And (laughs) the biggest part where 
Superman's dad is dying and I should be bawling my eyes out. The movie felt weird and it didn't well, emotionally connect with me. And that's why the movie it, sucked. It, it only felt weird because uh, Man of Steel had some strange editing and pacing. Like we we get flashbacks for like the first like 30, 45 minutes of the movie. I, I really wish it was more linear. I think it would have been more heartfelt when he died. Yeah, it all was the f- very, they were trying to tell the origin story and a, another story side by side. Yeah. And the execution of it just was not yeah. that well. Because I remember walking out of it and I was like, I wish it was either an origin film, like just a flat out another origin story, or it just stuck with the plot line that they had going, aiming towards the whole time. I was like, that's just kind of how I felt. And I felt like all the, like the Batman versus Superman. And that one felt like they were trying to do like, it was actually, it felt like three storylines side by side in that one. Well, we should probably move on. Yeah. I can, yeah. Move on. Yeah. Let's do a whole podcast we on could, this. We've we, got time. We, we yeah. could, we could, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do that because Amanda's like hankering to get more out. But anyways, we should move on. And, and, uh, uh, Jack, I think you said something along the lines of, uh, there's so many Superman films or something like that. Well, well, speaking of so many films, uh, Andy Serkis says that we should, uh, expect, Matt Reeves, the Batman, to be very dark. Yeah. Uh, so, so somehow this slipped my nerd radar, or I just plain forgot. I don't know. But Andy Serkis, you know, Gollum, uh, uh, Snoke, uh, he is playing Alfred Pennyworth in the movie. You know, Bruce Wayne's butler. Yeah. Uh, but Andy says uh, this new take on the character is going to be darker than any other uh, DC film that's been made. And while speaking with the uh, the L.A. Bible, Circus uh, was asked if fans can expect a darker, uh, uh, broodier Batman than what we've seen previously. And he replied by saying, quote, I would say that's not far from the truth. It's very much about the emotional connection between Alfred and Bruce. Uh, that's really at the center of it, and it is a really exquisite script that Matt has written. Uh, the actor went on to talk about playing Alfred and how he doesn't want to replicate any of the portrayals we've already seen of the character. And he says, uh, Kane, so they're talking about uh, uh, Michael Kane, yeah, from uh, the Dark Knight series. Uh, he was fantastic. Uh, his Alfred was legendary. I couldn't even begin to go there, really. Uh, you find it for yourself. It's like playing these iconic roles in Shakespeare. You go back, you revisit them and you have to make it your own and see what it is about uh, the character that connects with you and your personal uh, Venn diagram. Venn diagram. <laughs> Venn diagram. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to have to ask this. Is Bruce his precious? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my gosh. If they work that in there, I know like I would flip. He, he can carry play. Bruce's ring for him. <laughs> I have your precious, sir. <laughs> uh, oh can I say, though, like, I... Ugh. So, I'm a weird per. I, I may be weird. I don't know. I find it completely normal. But of, like, the uh, Dark Knight trilogy, I loved the Dark Knight. 
because of how yeah. dark it was. Like, ooh, I just love it. To this day, I love it. So the fact that Andy Serkis is like, oh, yeah, this is going to be like a very dark Batman. I'm like, yes, because Batman's story overall is very dark. And like the villains he faces are creeps. <laughs> and it's sure. pretty dark, you know. So all I'm, I'm going to say is when that. you when you go for a non-dark Batman, you get Batman Returns. And no, 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 Batman, not, not, no, 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 not Batman Lego Returns. Batman. That's what you, you, get, you, you get. You get Batman Bat- Forever Ever. and Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Batman Forever and Batman Robin. <laughs> we don't want to go there. No, Ever. we do not. No, yeah. we do not. Um, what, what's Arnold's famous line? Oh, uh, <laughs> freeze. Well, or he, he, he also says, uh, cold as ice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Freeze, uh, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, check that out in Batman and Robin. Hilarious. But uh, anyways, uh, we've got so much to cover. We should probably move on. Uh, because Disney is reportedly wanting Karen Gillian to star in the Pirates of the Caribbean reboot. Uh, it looks like Disney is ready to start moving forward with their plans for Pirates of the Caribbean reboot, which I still don't know if it's a good idea or not. Uh, but according to the Disney insider and entertainment scooper, Daniel uh, Richtman, the studio is looking to cast Karen Gillian, you know, from Doctor Who, Avengers Endgame, uh, Jumanji, The Next Level. Uh, anyways, they're looking to cast her in the lead role for the film. Uh, The report goes on to say that it's unknown if the actress has had any formal talks with the studio, but the studio is definitely interested in her. Uh, The report goes on to say that the studio is also considering women of color for the role, Uh, but it has been previously reported that Jack Sparrow, the face of the franchise, uh, is gone moving forward. He's going to be replaced by a female pirate named Red, R-E-D-D, in this reboot. And this is a new female pirate that was actually included in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at the Disney theme parks. Uh, Red can be seen in the auction scene of the ride, so keep an eye out for that when Disney eventually reopens. Uh, but apparently, this is the character that Gillian would be playing. And I don't think many fans would complain about Gillian playing a pirate. I won't complain. But I, I just have, yeah, I mean, I just have a hard time picturing a Jack Sparrow-less Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And that's why they have to do it. That is why they have to. Because if they want to expand the franchise, if they want to be able to... what What happens when... Johnny Depp isn't around well, anymore. I mean, you have to be able to move the franchise no, they, no, on. Don't. You can't hold it. They don't. And I'll tell you why. Because we don't need more Pirates of the Caribbean movies. So quickly after the the Jack Sparrow era of movies. Like, why? Like, I'm noticing this with Hollywood. Is that, like, a franchise has all their sequels. And then they want to do a reboot. So they wait, like, just a few years. They don't give enough time to to lit the previous era of those movies kind of, uh, you know, fade into cultural uh, significance. And they just they just move forward with like the same timeline. And so so in my opinion, I think they need more time and space between 
Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I would say at least, at least 10 years at the minimum. So same goes for Batman? Uh, yeah, actually, it does. <laughs> actually, no, uh, it's been about 10 years with Batman. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm pretty no, sure it has been. Yeah. When did Batman vs. Superman come out? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm sorry. Those don't they, count. They, they do. They do count you. I, I was. I have to side with Amanda on this. Like, if it's a, a Batman vs. Superman, like, it had, yeah, it would, that would, I would consider that a Batman movie. Sorry. Okay. Bat Flag is legit. I was thinking you were talking real. about. I thought you were talking about The Dark Knight Rises, which uh, does come out, which came out in 2012, by the way. So, so eight mm-hmm. years, and then by the time the new one comes out, it'll roughly be about 10 years. But, but we still had Batfleck in between yeah, that. Yeah, but... But, he, yeah. Yeah. That does not really count. Yes, That it was does. not a... Yes, it was. I just have to say, they should have stopped with the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, in my opinion. <laughs> It had a lot of plot holes, yes, but it was just a good standalone movie. It was. Like, it, it was I, dang good. But when I think about Pirates of the Caribbean, like, ooh, what do I want to watch Pirates of the Caribbean wise? Like, it's only the first one. And yeah. like, yeah. I just watch it and I'm good and I'm happy with it. And I'm like, okay, moving on. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm probably not really going to introduce my kids to the other Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Well, just the first one. Here, here's the honest truth. I'm right there with you, Jekka. Like, when I want to watch Pirates of the Caribbean, I watch the first one. And it was a great it was a great movie. Like I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. But but here the the truth is I cannot remember one single plot detail from any of the sequels. Okay. Even though I've watched so, all of them except for maybe the last one. Here's what I don't like about the sequels is so Jack Sparrow is a great supporting character. He is not a good main character. No, no. What are you kidding he, me? No. He is a great supporting no, character. No, Jack Sparrow is awesome. Okay, Jack Sparrow is awesome as a supporting character. No, he it is true. He needs to be true, screwing yeah. up people's lives. That is his job. His <laughs> job is to mess up. What? He shakes things up. He shakes things up. He's great for just kind of screwing up what everyone thought they were doing. But they based all of the sequels seem to be more focused and more and more focused on Jack Sparrow. Okay, maybe. And so moving away from Jack Sparrow, I'm like, well, maybe we could get some more pirate stories, some more depth to that universe. Okay, well. All right. Moving on. (laughs) We we can we we'll have to all I think we all agree the first one was the best one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, by far. So anyways, moving on. Uh, <laughs> this kind of came out of nowhere, like just like completely out of left field. But apparently Disney is making a national treasure series for Disney Plus and a third movie. <laughs> so, so remember that Indiana Jones-esque movie series with <laughs> Nicolas Cage, you know, trying to steal, I think it was like the Declaration of Independence or, or the Constitution, one of those two. But uh, well, well, Disney isn't done with the National Treasure franchise yet. Uh, producer, how it was done by Fox. Well, D- Disney owns Fox well, now. Disney just got a hold of it, and they're like, "How can we make money off this?" Well, you know, uh, yeah, you might be right. But anyways, producer Jerry Brockheimer recently revealed that not only will we be getting a National Treasures three movie, but we will also be getting a TV series on Disney Plus. Uh, Brockheimer told Collider, "Quote." Uh, we're certainly working on one national treasure for streaming, 
and we're working on one for the big screen. Hopefully, they'll both come together and we'll bring you another national treasure. Uh, but they're both very active. The one for Disney Plus is a much younger cast. It's the same concept, but a young cast. Uh, the one for theatrical would be the same cast. Interesting. Uh, so, so as far as the third film goes, director John Turtletob. I have no idea if I say his name right. That looks right to me. Anyways, uh, apparently he will be back to direct, uh, and the script is being written by Bad Boys for Life writer Chris Bremner. Uh, but according to Brockheimer, he says the film is still being written and then reveals that the Disney Plus series is actually further along. Quote, uh, the film version is being written right now. The television version is in process. We have a pilot script done and an outline of the future episodes. So they're pretty much the television version is where everyone else is at is sitting on their thumbs waiting for being able to do stuff. Post-COVID. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the first film was actually pretty fun. You know, they had a, a lot of uh, Knights Templar type of... Uh, uh, stuff that made 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 the film more interesting to to watch but but you know the the second one it went down in quality um yeah it, it was one of those that i was like like pirates of the caribbean i kind of felt like they could have just stuck with the first one because the first one was <laughs> great by itself you know yeah yeah it made too much money yeah <laughs> You don't want to know what's It made too much money. Doomed a sequel. When I need to, so I like to write, and when I need to really get in the zone for writing, I just listen to the National Treasure soundtrack, and I don't know what it is about it, but it kicks me into it, and like, it gets me in the zone when I need to write. Gets your imagination going. It really does, like, and it's funny, because it's the style of music that I'm just not really into. It's kind of a mix of that orchestra techno stuff kind of thing, kind of like how The Mandalorian is. And Tron. Um, But I don't know what it is about it, but it just like kicks me into writing. Very cool. Well, as long as it's not Nicolas Cage kicking you. So what I was actually (laughs) thinking about Nicolas Cage was I really need to get the mermaid pillow where it's a solid color. And then you flip the sequence and it's Nicolas Cage's face. Ah, yes. And I need one of those for the National Treasure movie. we don't need one of those. It's it's highly disturbing. (laughs) Highly disturbing. And then I can give it away as a white elephant gift. I'm okay with that. Anyways, uh, we need to move on. We got so much to cover. Uh, A ton, a ton of leaked casting rumors and characters... Have hit the internet for the Mandalorian season two, so I'm giving you a spoiler warning right now. If you don't want to know uh, these characters or the uh, the rumored casting of these characters, just jump the podcast ahead a good like six to seven minutes, okay? Um, because this this is your final warning. Jump the podcast ahead six to seven minutes, okay? All right, so here we go. So it's looking like the upcoming. Second season of The Mandalorian is going to make a huge, gigantic mega dent in the Star Wars universe if these casting rumors are true. Because we've got big, big Star Wars characters coming to The Mandalorian Season 2. We, we already know that Rosario Dawson is going to be playing the live action of Ahsoka Tano. Uh, but now we're hearing that Tamora Morrison 
who played Jango Fett in Star Wars Attack of the Clones and, and the mini clones in Star Wars Episodes 2 and 3, will be playing the iconic bounty hunter Boba Fett. And he will be playing the first live-action appearance of Captain Rex. Um, if 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 you don't count the the white bearded rebel trooper in Return of the Jedi, by the way. But anyways, but yeah, Boba Fett and Captain Rex. Oh man, here we go. Well, but that's not all. I thought I have to interrupt. I'm, yeah, yeah, go for it. I thought Boba Fett died in the Sarlacc pit. Oh okay. yeah. We also thought the Emperor died. That's true. That's true. No yeah, party, no crime. Know, go on. <laughs> back in uh, Star Wars Legends. Uh, stuff, not canon stuff, and legend stuff. Boba Fett got out of it, so Boba Fett's too too popular of a character. So, anyways, but yeah, Boba Fett and Captain Rex. Okay, but but this is not all because apparently we're also going to be seeing the debut of the live action version of Sabine Wren from Star Wars Rebels. I totally knew that was coming, and, and you know this makes sense, especially with how Star Wars Rebels ended. Uh, with her and Ahsoka searching for Ezra following the events of Return of the Jedi. And Sabine also once owned and trained with the Darksaber that Moff Gideon was wielding in the season finale of Mandalorian Season 1. She actually uh, became the rightful uh, wielder of the Darksaber before before losing it or giving it away or whatever. But uh, as for who might be taking on the role of Sabine. Well, there are rumblings that WWE superstar Sasha Banks might be taking on the role. It was previously previously reported that she would be joining the series, but at the time there was no confirmation on who she's playing. So the rumor saying that she's going to be Sabine. So, so you know, these are all just rumors for now. Her hair matches. I'm <laughs> yeah. just going to say her yeah. hair really, but, really true. matches. Yeah, it really matches. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, but again, these are all rumors. Uh, but the one thing we can uh, we can say for for facts is, you know, it was reported that several established characters from the Skywalker saga feature films mythology timeline will make appearances during the show's sophomore season. So, Boba Fett, Ahsoka Tano, Captain Rex, and Sabine. Holy moly! So I'm just gonna ask. With all of these leaks happening, how in the world, <laughs> how in the world did they keep Baby Yoda a secret? Yeah, really. Right? <laughs> Didn't even Are know about just... it until the end of that first episode. Yeah, yeah. You know, I personally, you know, I think I would have, I think I would want a lot of these to be revealed during the show, not just all these leaks. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, Ahsoka Tano coming out. Uh, okay, but like all these other ones are, are you know, it, I, I don't want. I don't want to know all of them. It, it's starting to feel like there have no way. They there was a little leak in the dam of information. Yeah, really. And all of a sudden, the dam has broken, yeah, and I want really. them to fix it. But you know, the out order, of all, or oh, like it. it's a red herring, and they're letting they're throwing all these things out there to distract us, and it's going to be something else completely different. Oh yeah. You know, they're gonna the, bring in John Luke Picard. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> John Luke Picard, Data lives. Data's Data's back in in the Mandalorian season two. By the way, there you Anyways, go. There you go. Uh, but you know, 
there, there's so there's so much that we could talk about in this. But the the one thing I want to say is, um, I'm really excited to see Captain Rex, especially after the last uh, Clone Wars arc oh, that okay. finished out the series. Uh, it makes sense to have Ahsoka uh, with Captain Rex. And if you've watched Rebels, it totally makes sense to have Sabine with Ahsoka too. Like, like we've got Han, Luke, and Leia, and now we've got Ahsoka, Captain Rex, and Sabine. You know, throw Baby Yoda and the Mando in there. Oh, man. This sounds legit. This sounds like I'm going to have a nerd explosion. We're going to have a nerd aneurysm. Yes, a nerd aneurysm. Happy nerd death. Oh, my word. I might have to... I might have to record myself and do some video reactions. I've done those every once in a while. Um, yeah. We've yeah. just learned that I can't be in them because I poke him. No, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Get this. Okay. All right. No, 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 no. All right. No, 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 no. Okay. Oh, man. I can, I can feel my blood pressure rising just thinking about this. Whew. Okay. All right. So when a new Star Wars movie trailer drops... It is like sacred time in which everything stops. The family gathers around the TV. There is there is no distractions, and there is one hundred percent focus on this trailer. Okay, and there what? Were no, and, kids. no, 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 no. I was no, bored. And what? And what does Amanda do? What does Amanda do while I'm watching a brand new Star Wars movie trailer for the very first time? She starts putting a cat on my shoulder <laughs> and i'm like i'm like get the cat off of me what are you doing you're interrupting star wars and then and then and that was the first trailer for for the rise of skywalker and then like the second trailer came out and then amanda's like poking me in the ribs <laughs> like what in the world no the cat was on my shoulder and the cat's butt got too close to oh oh I, I forgot about that part yeah yeah the cat's butt was totally in my face well, I'm trying to watch the first Star Wars trailer uh, for, for Rise of Skywalker. Oh, my so, word. So, more of the story. More of the story. <laughs> you do those videos on your own. Yeah. Well, if, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I end up, we end oh. up having to pause, and then I get really mad. I'm like, what are you doing? Austin, I oh. love how much you love Star Wars. <laughs> oh, it's great. Anyways, anyways, we, we, we've got so much to talk about. Let, let's, let's hit one more up. <laughs> All right, so the U.S. with international allies are drafting legal policies to mine the moon for resources. Earth first, we'll mine the other planets <laughs> later. We haven't squeezed everything out of it yet. <laughs> well, last month, the Trump administration signed an executive order that establishes the administration's official policy regarding mining resources in outer space. The order noted that outer space was not global commons, whatever that means, but a, a place of resources for commercial endeavors. To entice companies to join the administration, uh, it is believed to be working with an, uh, on an international agreement. And as reported by Reuters, uh, no, it's Reuters. Oh, okay. The draft, that one I do know. Anyways, the, <laughs> that one sounds so weird. Reuters. Yes. <laughs> the draft plan is called the Artemis Accords, which sounds like something straight out of like a sci-fi book. Uh, I know, anyways, yeah. The, Ar 
Yeah, it's called the the, the draft is called the Artemis Accords, uh, a reference to NASA's Artemis program, to uh, the the ambitious plan to have humans back on the moon by 2024. That's four years away. Uh, anyways, the draft has not been formally shared with U.S. allies yet, and it is unclear who the administration is planning to involve in the pact. But countries such as Canada, Japan, and members of the European Union will likely be involved in the pact. The, uh, the United Arab Emirates is also likely to be on the administration's list of like-minded countries. Uh, the two notable exclusions in the early talks are Russia, a current partner on the International Space Station, and China, who already sports an extensive moon exploration program. Uh, NASA Administrator Jim Brindenstein said in a report to Reuters that NASA's all about science and technology and discovery, which are critically important, but I think less salient is the idea that NASA is a tool of diplomacy. The important thing is countries all around the world want to be a part of this. Okay, so the reason the moon not being global commons is important is because then anytime a spacecraft is landing on the moon, every every country in the world would get to protest it. Um, if one if one little tiny country says no, 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 that's that's our space too. You can't go there. Hmm. Um, and so they're doing it kind of more like how the Americas were divided up, except it will be corporations owning it instead of countries. Because that's what our world has come to. Um, yeah, you I might also, be right, actually. I also kind of wonder, I mean, it says like reference to NASA's Artemis program, but um, the author who wrote The Martian, Andy Weir, uh, yeah. he wrote another book. I, I have, I haven't read it yet. And I've heard that it's kind of okay, but he wrote another book called Artemis that is set on the moon. It's like a human colony set on the moon. Wow. So a part of me wonders if like that could be tying into it as well, because um, a lot of NASA people geeked out over the Martian. They really (laughs) enjoyed the book. They really enjoyed it. The convergence of uh, (laughs) sci-fi and reality is what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, we we already know that there's probes being sent up to comets that passed and the the potential of mining comets has already been thought of to how to do that. So them mining the moon doesn't, doesn't sound that surprising. Yeah, no, no, it it doesn't sound surprising. Um, I mean, I think that's kind of the natural course of things. So whether, you know, whatever political side you're on, but, um, Will they rename parts of the moon like Amazon Lake? (laughs) (laughs) All I know. SpaceX um, Valley. Uh, I'll tell you this right now. I've got a fortune saved up. And right after this podcast, I'm going on Google and I'm going to find all those like, you know, buy a piece of moon things. And I am just going to go crazy on it. So (laughs) say goodbye to that new kitchen, Amanda. We're buying (laughs) we're buying the moon. (laughs) One thing at a time. Anyways, uh, I think it's time to talk some letter for the king. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park? And that's it is time for our main event. 
hey, before before we jump into it, I just want to give a a special shout out to all you super nerds who have subscribed to the podcast. We really really appreciate you. You know, please help us get the word out. Tell a friend about the podcast. Uh, tell them to subscribe. And uh, and if you're listening to us for the first time, I invite you to subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, come on, do it. You'll get plus ten nerd XP. But uh, yeah, Letter for the King. If if you didn't get a chance to watch the Netflix uh, TV series. Uh, here's a trailer to kind of fill you in on uh, a little bit of what we're going to be talking about. If you set your mind to it, if you do what I know you can do, you will become a knight. <laughs> the old world grows weak. And the fire that we are about to start will destroy everything that still remains. Take this lesson. You must deliver it to the king. The future of the entire kingdom depends on it. Thousands will die. How do you get a letter to the king? You think just anyone can waltz in and see the most powerful man in the world? We face it together. I carry the letter, you ride the horse. Uh, isn't she a sweetheart? You will find this boy and crush anyone that lies in your way. We'll never outrun them. This will never work. It will work. Remember, we've got her, and she's the most ruthless scum of us all. I meant that in a good way. It's like a force of nature. It's up to people like us to do no something. Tell me where the letter is. We can end all this unpleasantness. Is there anyone in the three kingdoms who doesn't want you dead? From the moment I saw you, I felt the power in you. What powers has this shrimp got? Unless we stop it, people are going to die. Go! I don't care who they send. We're going to deliver this letter. Stop! We're going to die trying. So the letter for the king was a book originally published in 1962 in the Dutch Netherlands region by uh, I. This is a Dutch name. I'm going to mess this up. Uh, Tonke Dragat, I believe, uh, and is considered by many folks in that region as a classic. Uh, in 1963, uh, the book actually won uh, the Book of the Year prize. And in 2004, they took all the previous book of the year winners and put them up against one another. And the letter for the king won the best of all books of the year books, <laughs> however, you, however you want to say that. But so this obviously caught the attention of Netflix that decided to, to turn it into a TV series. So so uh, Amanda, Jekka, what did you guys think of letter for the king? I really enjoyed it. Um, I really thought there was some great momentum building up to it. Okay. I just, the, the ending kind of left me a little kind of flat. 
Yeah. I I felt the same way. Like I I was really into it, and then it the end of the fifth episode, I was kind of like, what? And then the very last episode. So there's six episodes total. Um, for first of all, and the last yeah. episode, I was just kind of like, ugh. It, it, I I wanted more from it. Like it it kind of reminded me of um that climactic scene in Avatar: The Last Airbender when Aang faces off against the Fire Lord Ozai, like in the big battle. Um, it kind of was very like when and when I don't know how much. I'll just say the spoiler. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Um, but like with Aang and Ozai, how it was like a battle of their souls, like good versus the souls of a good person, the soul of a bad person, kind of fighting it out to overpower each other. Um, I felt like that climactic moment in the letter for the king was like that, except not as epic <laughs> and well built up for. So oh, I wanted man. more from it. I was just kind of like, it felt like Aang and Ozai, but Aang and Ozai's battle of the soul was like much better. And I, so yeah, but I really enjoyed it up until that moment. I really enjoyed you know, it. Dur- during the end battle in which the, the bad guy like turns into like the black shadow thing. Yeah. You know, I couldn't I couldn't help but say uh as Amanda and I are watching it, I attack the darkness <laughs> with magic missile. You know. It really was. But, I was just kind of like, okay, he's now a big black shadow and the character is now a glowing light bulb. I'm like, okay, all right. And like I, I really thought it was gonna be like, you know, darkness and light like getting thrown around everywhere, and it just wasn't that. And so I was like Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a real short, kind of anticlimactic, like thirty-second battle. It's like, oh, yeah. the darkness is so dark. Uh, but now this is light, and then it's done. <laughs> it, 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 they seem to do a lot of that in the series, where they don't build something up at all, and they just do it. And you're like, well, and that's what kind of made me mad about the the main bad guy, who's like this uh, soul sucking uh, wizard dude, who like. So, so, so if you haven't seen that, if you haven't seen it, the the main baddie is going around and finding all like all these wizards and sham, uh, sh- shamans, 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 and witches and things like that. And he he kills them. And when he kills them, he can suck in their magical powers. And so he collects up all these magical powers, but they don't. They do a real. Uh, they don't. They don't really build up his character like at all from episode one to episode six. And then so when we finally get to the like the last episode. Um, you 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 still don't really know a lot about this character that supposedly is the big baddie. They build up his menace, but they don't build the character. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. felt like the closest they got to it. So the whole so the premise of the show is there's this prophecy that darkness will overtake the land, and a warrior from a warrior will step forward and defeat the darkness with light, kind of thing. And I felt like the only time. I got a glimpse of the bad guys, like some character of him was when he was like, I'm the warrior. I'm the one that's going to defeat this darkness. This boy that's stolen my letter. Cause the whole point of it is this baddie, he was sending, he's starting a coup and he sent out five, six letters. And one of them got taken by the black knight. And, but the black knight gets attacked and the main character, the boy, um, oh, what's his name? Hold on. Cheery. Um, Cheery <laughs> comes across him 
and he, the Black Knight gives him the letter and says, you have to deliver this to the king. And so that's what the whole premise is about. He's, he's trying to deliver this letter to the king before this coup goes to overthrow the empire. But anyways, but like the whole time, you know, the baddie is just like, oh, this cheery kid, like, I'm trying to get this letter from him. He's thwarting me. And then he's like, wait, he is the darkness. He is the bad guy. I'm the warrior. I'm the one that's going to save everyone. I was like, ooh, that's a pretty cool twist right there. I really liked that, that mentality yeah. that he started adopting as if he was trying to justify his actions. I felt like that was the closest we got to like understanding the baddie in a way. Yeah. Well, I, I think they tried to squish too much for six episodes. Yeah. And I think that's why we don't have enough character buildup. I think it's why we have a lot of, really? The the last battle was 30 seconds? Really? <laughs> I, I, will, I will give it this. Like, the, the most interesting part of the entire series, for me anyways, was when the main baddie shows up. Um, because uh, to, to give a little context to what I'm saying, if you haven't watched it. So this letter that's supposed to go to the king is basically like a hit list of all these different people that are going to be dying in the kingdom uh, to kind of, you know, uh, kill off and over overthrow the current king. Um, and that king just so happens to be the dad of the bad guy. And so so you're getting this buildup. And then during the last episode, we finally get the bad guy uh, showing up, walking into the throne room. Apparently, he hasn't been there in a long time. So everybody... Everybody doesn't realize his real intentions at this point. So everybody's excited. His dad, the king, is excited. Coming up, giving him hugs, welcoming him back. Uh, but we, the audience, know kind of, you know, wait, this is the bad guy. We, we know what's going on. And so, so that, that whole, like, I don't know, two, three minutes of supposition that we get with, with that kind of underlying tension, I thought was the most interesting part of the entire series. But then... You know, it it does crumble quickly into this weird, you know, I'm this shadow dude. Uh, and then it's done in 30 seconds. And so it's like it's like they go from like the most interesting part of the entire series to like this incredibly confusing and disappointing uh, ending and all all within a few minutes. And, I, and when I was watching this, I was like, well, I've been honestly quite bored up until this point i finally get something interesting and then they kill it with more boredom (laughs) so i don't know i my personal opinion of this is the the first couple episodes were mildly interesting as we try to watch the the main character become a knight who is on his way to becoming like a sorcerer as well um and but then it just kind of it, it it unravels after that point. But, uh, you know, we did get a couple uh, people uh, giving us, uh, some fans of the show giving us their opinion. Uh, Kim V, uh, via supernerdpodcast at gmail.com, she sent in an email saying, uh, Hi, guys, love the show. I watched the letter for the king. Uh, I watched Letter for the King with my son. He finished the book and enjoyed the Netflix series a lot. Even his sister, who's a few years younger, uh, and didn't read the book, enjoyed it. My son says they changed a number of things from the book to the series, but overall, I think it was a pretty good young adult story. I don't know if I would have watched all of it if my kids weren't so into it. 
P.S. Austin is very knowledgeable, but Amanda, you keep on keeping that Austin in check. LOL. Okay, and just to point out, Kim could also be a boy's name. Just want to oh, point that yeah. out. Okay, no, point you're out. right. All right. I had to wait till the P.S. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. All right. You're, you're right. Okay, anyway. Uh, Martin, Martin B., he sent us uh, his thoughts via our Facebook page. Just kind of summing it up real quick. Uh, didn't like it. Don't know why they changed so much compared to the book. Why include magic? What makes the pro? Uh, why make the protagonist younger? Acting is meh. So, so that was interesting. I mean, I, I we we haven't read the book. It sounds like they did change a lot of the book, and apparently there was no magic in the book, which changes a whole bunch with this this movie or this. TV now I'm series. really interested in reading the book. I know. Yeah, oh, that no- was that was my biggest thing, and because after I watched it, I did like you know look up and read some reviews on the TV series, and like. I'd say like nine out of 10 of those reviews were all the book is so good. And so I was like, okay, I really want to read this book too bad. All the libraries are closed, at least here in Utah. So I'm like, have you gotten an overdrive? No. Oh, I need to. I need to do that still. Well, yeah. What's, just what's Overdrive? Okay. Tell so people. Overdrive is one of the apps, and there are multiple different apps that you can use with your local public library to check a book out from them on your phone or tablet or computer. And not just books, but like movies and things like that too. Um, Audiobooks. The, the the movies is on a different app. Okay. Um, actually, you can't use Overdrive. I don't think there's an the app works on your computer, but um, maybe the website is. But definitely take a look at Overdrive so you can check out the book. That's how I normally check out my books. Interesting, interesting. That way, I never have a late fee because it automatically returns my book. That is interesting. So, um, yeah, but I mean, there. There's no magic in the actual book. And magic is all throughout this series because like the main character is like, is he going to be a knight? Is he some sort of sorcerer? And and then when they finally get to the last episode, they basically say, oh, guess what? He wasn't actually the one. All this magic you've been seeing in the show so far, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, the main character, uh, Churi or ch 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 Turi. Anyways, like... <laughs> That's every time I heard his name, I just kept thinking ch 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 chia turi. Anyways, um, I always thought they were saying churi. <laughs> anyways, but um, the uh, I mean, we, we get to the last episode. This whole, this whole time, we're thinking that he's developing magic, and then we find out it's not him. It's just this girl that's been hanging out with him. So so, but but th- that but that doesn't make sense because the priest dude said he sensed it in him. I think we even heard I think we even heard that in the trailer that we played earlier. But like so like does Turi have like dormant magical powers? Will there be a season two? That's right. There is a second book. I I personally like yeah, that that was so when I said like the end of episode I liked it up until the end of episode five. The very end of episode five is where you realize that all the magic was happening from the girl and not Cherry. And I was just like, no, because that didn't make sense to me. I was like He's the son of a powerful shaman, and they keep saying that that's genetic, like it can be passed down. And then, yeah, the priest dude was all like, you have, I can sense it in you, the power in you. And it's just, I, I feel like it's dormant. Like, So, I honestly, I liked that kind of twist there. Well. But okay. they didn't 
do anything good with it. She just ran off. Oh, yeah, oh, it's true. Oh, she oh. ran off and then. <laughs> and that was okay. stupid. Okay, I got I got, I got two things before before we move on too quickly. I might, and as I talk about one, I might forget the other. That ever happened to you? Okay. Anyways, anyways. Okay, so ah, I'm already losing one. I've been talking too long. Okay, the, okay. The only one that I'm remembering, yes, is she runs off. And this entire time leading up to the end, like the last episode, she's like supporting Tori, saying like, "Oh, you can do it. You've got magic. Yeah, kiss me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My kiss like somehow makes flowers float in the air. I don't know. Which really, she kissed him, and she made okay. the flowers. Uh, yeah. Float. Yeah, yeah, okay, Which whatever, kind of whatever, weird. whatever. But but the but the point is that she's been very supportive of Ch Ch Chaturi uh, <laughs> learning magic, and then as soon as soon as she finds out I've got the magic, she comes, she becomes the damsel in distress and goes, "No, ah, oh, I can't do this anymore." And I just want to go, "Come on, what are you doing?" Like the last like three episodes, all you're doing is telling Tur Ch Ch Chaturi over here that he can. Uh, he can do magic, and now you're going to complain immediately upon and run running? away. Yeah, and run away, and and not even face the main baddie. And uh, oh, oh, oh! I suddenly remembered the second thing I was going to say. Okay. okay, the second thing I was going to say is is if there was no magic in the book, if there was no magic, then then this whole plot line with with the magic is something Netflix created. So why? In the last episode, did Netflix decide to give her the magic instead of Turi? Turi. Anyways, I, I think we're done with that. <laughs> um, it, it was funny the first couple this, times. This is how over This is how I get my frustrations out on the TV show. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there on Austin because I was like, I, I felt like it would have been a great like. So I sincerely was hoping like, oh, she could have magic too, and he has magic as well because the whole thing about her is like her mom is gone. Like we don't know what happened to her mom. We just know she's not there, and. Uh, you kind of learn that, um, uh, let me, I, I have it pulled up, uh, Lavinia, that's the girl's name, um, like Lavinia, she, she wants, she keeps saying she wants to find a path through the mountains, but there's like a little moment where I've, I, it seemed, it alluded to that she actually thinks her mom disappeared in the mountains and she's trying to find her. So I was like, that'd be cool if maybe her mom was a sorceress. And so she had that ability too. But at the same time, I really wanted Cheery to have that too. I was like, that'd be so cool to have a male and female character both have magic, both trying to oh, learn yeah. how to do it, how to handle it. And like, what if the prophecy was mistranslated and it's not one warrior, but two warriors, you know? That would have been cool. Yeah, it was like, there, there was cool. so much potential. And then like the last episode just like... Drop the ball. Drop, drop the ball. Yeah. Like the battle, like, like you said, Austin, like the battle was very anticlimactic and short and Lavinia just kind of like ran off. <laughs> and know? then Iona runs off at the end. Yeah. Like I felt like the one character I really liked in the story going with it is Iona. She's the girl that eventually like joins the Red Rider. Like I really liked how she was double crossing everyone. I was like <laughs> that. She's a Jack Sparrow, but like a smarter, less clumsy jack sparrow like you know i just really liked her just she was definitely out for number See, one the 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 problem is is i i don't feel that iona would have given her hand away so quickly yeah she would have been more subtle yeah i i, I think there was a lot of subtlety that she had that they didn't let her like she's so subtle in some areas and other areas like she's like an elephant walking through Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
But yeah. Okay, so so uh, I will say, you know, there was uh, the first couple episodes I did like. I mean, we had um, we had uh, 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 what's his name, the dude from Gondor in Lord of the Faramir. Rings, Faramir. Well, that's not the, not the actor's not the name. Actor. Hold on, I'm yeah, looking what's up. His name? Lupin. Anyways, the guy that played Faramir in Lord of the Rings, or Lupin in uh, Harry Potter, or Lupin in Harry Potter, he, in my opinion, he had the most interesting. Uh, uh, whenever he was in the episode, uh, the episode was much more interesting. The, yeah. the, the dynamic between him and Tori, uh, being like the stepfather to Tori, uh, or Tori, whatever you say his name. Um, I can't do the ch 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 Tori anymore because Amanda yells at me. <laughs> she oh. gave me the eye right now. Quick anyway. interruption. The actor's name yeah. is David Thewlis. David Thewlis. Okay. The, that was that was a real interesting storyline. Watching watching the disappointing father figure who's really holding out for uh, Turi to become a knight like he is, but but is failing. But to but to to have faith and then kind of at the end of his life, kind of show that he believes in his son. Uh, and you know, it's like one moment where you can see that the the father son, you know. I'm proud to be your your father type of thing was there. And then he dies. <laughs> you know? yeah, and that first episode hooked me in so well. Like, I love that. I was like, okay, this is going to be good. And we're going to move forward with this. And I want to do this. And that's you know. why I want to do a podcast on this. Because I thought it was fantastic. No, I was with that- you there, Amanda. Like, that first episode did hook me in. And it, like I said, it kept me going. And it was just like the last episode was kind of, was a disappointment, but the rest of it, like I really enjoyed it. Like I especially like it, liked it the part when they were in the monastery, like that yeah. was really creepy. And I oh, really yeah, that liked creepy. that. Like just you know, it's all these. I, I just love the idea of this monastery run by monks who are all ex like criminals, like they're all pirates and criminals, but they've given up that life to try to be better people, and they feel safe in the mountains kind of thing. I really I, liked that about it. I really liked pirates in the mountains. Yeah. That made, that made hilarious for me. Pirates in the mountains. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, okay. So, so Amanda, uh, Jekka, so, so the first episode you really liked the rest of the episodes you liked up, yeah. up until the very last episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. My position is I liked the first episode. The second episode I thought was decent. Every episode after that, I wanted to bang my head against the wall. I I was so done with this series by the time we we got to the last episode. That up, you know. So so the one thing that I don't know if people realize this this or not, but like like Amanda and I don't talk about these things until we get on the podcast. So we so we've watched this TV show uh, episode after episode after episode, and I'm I I'm like I just I'm just saying to myself like Amanda, why? Are we still watching this? And we're only three episodes in, and now we're four episodes. And I and I can't so, I can't tell Amanda that I want to bang my head against so the wall. I, this is the only time I've ever told her I want to bang my head against the wall over watching this thing. So, oh, I just I just did not enjoy it. It wasn't as deep of a uh, a fantasy medieval story that yeah. I want. You know, I'm I'm hoping for Lord of the Rings esque fantasy this was more along the lines of like braveheart with a 
smidgen of magic. No, no, yeah. you're giving it way more credit than it deserves. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying it's on the same quality. <laughs> I'm uh, of, of Braveheart. No, I'm... this is Dragonheart. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, Dragonheart. Uh, yeah. Dragonheart with this really cool opening, and you're like, oh, this is gonna be good. And you get sucked in for that first episode. And then all of a sudden they like switch it with Dragonheart. There you go. Yes. I love Dragonheart. We should do. I mean, sorry. That's something. We, we should like, do a rewind on Dragonheart. Dragonheart. <laughs> sorry. Well, I, I really feel that it, it, the quality kind of did decline as, as the series just progressed. It seemed to kind of, the, the threads seemed to get lost. Well, you know, I, I I try to focus on the good, even though sometimes I have the uh, the bad popping out first. So I say I try to save that final opinion till the very end of the podcast, and I made it. <laughs> I made it. So, um, but yeah, but uh, I don't know. A- anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap up the show? Uh, letter for the king. Amanda's shaking her head no over here. I'm I'm good. I've said everything I want to say about it. Like I I would I'll I'll wrap up on this. I'd say like yeah. It, I mean, we've voiced our thoughts on it, and I would say it's worth watching. I mean, it's on Netflix. A lot of us are still in quarantine. Like, it's worth watching it. Um, <laughs> I did it you know, I, it's worth it. Like, well, let, you know, So let me get this straight. First two episodes, like, you, you got two episodes that are enjoyable, you know? So, so Jekka's recommendation is that this show is worth it if there happens to be a global pandemic and you're stuck in your house for two months straight. So when the zombie then, apocalypse happens. Then give this a shot. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, hey, folks, thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. Please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you're listening to us. Subscribe, review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever else you may find us. Hey, next week, we're going to be doing something a little different. We're going to be having uh, a game. We're calling it our rumor mill game. I don't know. We haven't quite come up with it yet. But, it'll uh, be fun. It's, it's one of those episodes that we got we need for filler because uh, there's no movies coming no, out. No, this might become <laughs> a thing. I think okay. this might become All a right. thing. This could be cool. If it's not, I apologize. But you should come I back anyway. I think it's going to be cool. We've it's going to be cool. We've got, we've got nerd news anyways. But anyways... Make sure to leave us a uh, voicemail with your thoughts uh, at anchor.fm slash supernerdpodcast, and you just might be featured on the show. You can also email us your thoughts and opinions to supernerdpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search Super Nerd Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a share. Subscribe. Review. Tell a friend. But hey, folks, until uh, next time... Stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. Peace out. Drink and drink and drink.
we really should drink and drink and drink. And while we all drink and drink and drink, I'll tell you a story of the legend of the great cat and Jack Sparrow. All the glory, not to mention all the trouble that I've caused. I'm a bad guy by extension, but I'm on the straight and narrow. Narrowly walking down the plank and getting tossed. Watch your toes and watch your head. The living dead like to surround me. If I said there was no danger, I'm a pirate. And I lied. I escaped from situations using only what's around me. I would lend you a handmaid, but they're literally tired. Yes, the fate of the world always rests on me. No, rest for me. Savvy, savvy. And where there is treasure, business and pleasure can't mix together. Keep to the code, which is hard, cause we're pirates, which basically means that we don't follow rules or the normal routines. So the codes merely guidelines some choose to obey, thanks to every victim who knows to shout out parlay. Slap, slap, guess I deserve that, yo, ho. What did I do though? Take what you can, give nothing back. Who needs a plan? Let's just attack. I smell really bad eggs. Oh wait, it's me. You will always remember this as the one day that you almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow, the greatest of pirates, before he escaped and made fools of you all. Like.